Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we look at South Africa's Patrice Motsepe becoming the CAF president unopposed. We also talk about the cancellation of the Under-17 Africa Cup of Nations just five days before the planned start this Saturday. It's very disappointing, not for me, but for the boys, the team at large. More on that shortly, plus Stuart on what's wrong with Liverpool in the English Premier League. But first, in an unusual scenario, South Africa's Patrice Motsepe is the new unopposed Confederation of African Football president after his three rivals stepped down after apparently agreeing on a deal where they will have CAF positions. That's two as vice presidents, Augustin Senghor of Senegal and Mauritania's Ahmed Yaya, and the other as a special advisor, Jacques Anouma of Ivory Coast. Well, the other contender, the incumbent Ahmed, was officially ruled out of the race on Monday when his appeal against a FIFA ban saw the ban reduced but not cleared. At a news conference in Mauritania at the conclusion of the Under-20 Africa Cup of Nations last weekend, Motsepe said he wants to work together with the other three who stepped down. Football is uh, the passion of all of us and it's also my personal passion, but it's, it's a great honour to work with you and... Uh, we will all be relying on you and, and your wisdom and your unique contribution will make African football the success that we know it can be. Now also at the news conference was FIFA president Gianni Infantino and some are asking how much of a part he had in seeing Motsepe get the post. Infantino was together with Motsepe at the Southern African Kasafa annual general meeting last month and some saw that as a show of support, alleging that Infantino was pushing his preferred candidate. Well, it's only speculation, Ida, but uh, some are saying it's more of what they call the colonization of African football. Very interesting opinion, Steve. And, of course, we have talked about this quite a bit, especially over the last couple of weeks. But, look, yes, the the latest developments basically confirming, you know, what the reports laid bare last week. And you remember us mentioning just how far... FIFA backing can take a candidate. As for the colonization of African football, well, you know, there are pretty valid reasons, Steve, why people might think this is the case. I mean, it's not too long ago that FIFA put Fatma Samura, you know, as the interim head of CAF. And many think that that was actually just the beginning. And we have seen over the years, you know, some of the quote-unquote suggestions, you know, that FIFA have made to the continental body, such as having the AFCON, you know, every four years as opposed to every two years, you know, and that would also make the European or UEFA competitions flow much smoothly. So, look, some of the traditions might really change in African football as we know them, or not. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see, although the likes of Isa Hayatu were firm, firm traditionalists in terms of having the Afghan biennially. But Steve, if Motsepe can ultimately be able to commercialize and to professionalize African football, then to be honest, few will remember initial hang-ups they had about him taking over. And we have seen the South African, you know, vow several times, you know, to use his vast connections 
to improve CAF's commercial deals. So for now and for the next bit, it will definitely be a wait-and-see game. Well, sure, let's hope that there will be growth for African football under Patrice Motsepe. Next here on Planet Sport Football Africa to another big story this week in African football, the cancellation of the under-17 Africa Cup of Nations that was due to kick off in Morocco on Saturday. The decision was made on Monday, just five days before the planned start, and Uganda, Zambia, Tanzania and Ivory Coast were already in Morocco getting ready for the tournament. This is the second time in seven years that Morocco's pulled out of hosting a continental tournament, having cancelled the hosting of the Africa Cup of Nations in 2015 due to Ebola fears. The reasons given this time were the resurgence of the COVID-19 pandemic, increased restrictions on international travel and uncertainty about the evolution of the situation. Here's the South Africa under-17 coach Vela Kumalo. It's very disappointing, not for me, but for the boys, the team at large. And what what can one say? It's uh, the COVID. We have no other control over it. This is the experience lost to the boys, to ourselves as well. Yeah, very tough, no doubt. What do you make of this, Ida? Well, it's definitely an interesting situation, Steve, and one that, at least to me, CAF could do little or nothing about, you know, except cancel the tournament because at this point it really is beyond football. I mean, Morocco closing its airspace and its borders to certain territories to contain the virus, I mean, was a very recent development, you know, that clearly caught many by surprise. And CAF reportedly tried reaching out to Tanzania to host the tournament on emergency. And uh, don't forget, Steve, that Tanzania hosted the tournament back in 2018. And, you know, the country generally has had fewer travel restrictions than most. I mean, it's even allowed fans back into the stadiums. But, Steve, it was simply too short notice. Um, An interesting angle, though, that some are taking is based off the fact that, you know, that FIFA also cancelled the Under-17 World Cup. So, technically, you know, quote-unquote, the cancellation meant the Under-17 AFCON no longer served its purpose as a qualifier for the global tournament. But Steve, if that's the case, then FIFA had also cancelled the Under-20 World Cup. So why didn't CAF cancel the Under-20 Afghan, you know, that we saw play out in Mauritania? Additionally, Steve, FIFA actually did away with the men's under-17 and under-20 World Cups last year, December. So if that is part of the reason, as some parties will have us believe, then look, this decision could have been made earlier, you know, to avoid all this. Because as you've said it, several teams were already in Morocco when this announcement was made. So, you know... Is it a bad precedent and reputation for Morocco to now have declined to host two tournaments? Yes, but it also is what it is, at least for now. And of course, now Zambia has expressed interest in hosting the tournament. So we will see how that goes. But all in all, Steve, the news definitely comes as a blow. I mean, CAF has managed to to organize two successful continental tournaments in 2021 alone, you know, despite the year being only in its third month. So there was the Chan in Cameroon and, of course, the under-20 AFCON in Mauritania. And, Steve, these youth championships have often heralded the birth of huge stars, as we know. You know, we're talking the likes of Nwanko Kanu, a lot of these stars 
guys actually got their first big break on this global youth front. But Steve, at this time, perhaps even more than any other, health is definitely the priority. Yes, a complex situation, the cancellation of the under-17 Africa Cup of Nations. Okay, then to matters on the pitch and a remarkable defeat for Congolese club TP Mazembe in match day three of the CAF Champions League, Ida. If there was to be one team to bring an end to that amazing unbeaten home run for TP Mazembe, Steve, then look, I'm not surprised that it is the great Mamelodi Sundowns. <laughs> uh, as for TP Mazembe, well, they set the record for the longest unbeaten home run in all calf competitions. That run stretching all the way from late 2009 to March 2021. And Sundowns actually became the first team to beat Mazembe at home since October 2009. That was when Mazembe last lost and they lost 2-0 to Sudan's Al-Hilal in the CAF Champions League. Steve, we're talking close to 12 years, you know, and that's 74 matches unbeaten at home. So right now, going by the math, then the Sundowns are technically in the CAF Champions League quarterfinals as, you know, look, it would take something short of a miracle, Steve, to not have them qualify. The South African side is currently on nine points, having gone and beaten in the group so far, while every other team in the group is on two points, you know. So that math is, uh, those numbers are pretty straightforward. And, you know, going back to TP Mazembe, a huge, huge achievement, you know, to go unbeaten at home for close to 12 years. So definitely, despite it coming to an end, congratulations to them. So it came to an end, but uh, what a record that was for TP Mazembe. Thanks, Ida. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And still to come, Stuart on why some players and clubs in England have stopped taking the knee before games. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime, including past programs in our archive. And to download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, to social media now, and last week we asked, should referees be dropped if they make too many mistakes? With the introduction of the VAR in the English Premier League, we're seeing more evidence of the mistakes that referees make, and the different replays and analysis can highlight where they get it wrong. So last week we asked, should referees be dropped from duty if they make too many mistakes? We had another huge response this week, and here with your comments is Planet Sport Football Africa's Ash Tikiwa. Thanks, Steve. And on WhatsApp, we start with Lawrence Mendy in The Gambia, who says, Yes, the referees must be dropped if they make too many mistakes. You can see that so many important points have been dropped because of referees' mistakes. This is happening too much in football now. And the most disappointing part is that sometimes they even ignore VAR. And Bizwek Njakwa in Malawi agrees. Referees should be dropped and punished if they make mistakes, says Bizwek. I've seen a lot of wrong decisions by referees this season and corrected by VAR. On the other hand, the introduction of VAR has done referees harm because some of them don't believe in themselves and their own decisions. And we also welcome your voice notes on Planet Sport Football Africa. And here's Bakari Nyasi in the United Arab Emirates. Though referees are human beings, they are bound to make mistakes, but such mistakes are not acceptable. And the VR is there also to assist them. For me, if any referee did big mistakes, they can be dropped 
or suspended for a couple of weeks or so or a couple of matches. So Bakari suggests referees should be dropped for a couple of games if they make a bad mistake. And let's hear now from James Wallace Jr. in Malawi who believes the referees who make bad decisions are causing confusion and should be fined. The big problem that is coming in right now is that those referees are bringing confusion, yet they have video assistant referee that could have been assisting them in their decisions. So I think they need to be punished. And sometimes they even need to pay something because football is more than what we know. Football is people's lives. So James saying there that referees should be punished because their mistakes are affecting players' lives and livelihoods. Desmond Tunde Koke is in Sierra Leone. I honestly think referees should be dropped for making mistakes because they are now doing it with impunity, says Desmond. The mistakes are too much and they are putting the game into disrepute. And Santino Madut in South Sudan agrees. Referees should be dropped if they make too many mistakes in the game, says Santino, because VAR was introduced to help them to make correct decisions. And here's a voice note from Lamin Fedara in the Gambia, who believes there is no excuse for referees now when they can refer to the pitch side monitor. With the advent of the video assistant referees, referees are making more mistakes, which is really sad. So in my own opinion, not all referees, but referees that are having the opportunity to uh, view it from a monitor, um, if they make high-profile mistake, well, they should be punished. There's no doubt about that. Michael in Zambia says, I think, yes, they should be dropped because VAR gives them the second chance to get it right. And that point is picked up by Momodu in the Gambia, who expresses a frustration shared by many of our correspondents this week. In days past, one could say they are bound to make mistakes every now and then because there was no technology to aid them. But nowadays, they have highly sophisticated machines, but they are still repeating the same blunders week in, week out. And here's a voice note from Michael Johnson in Sierra Leone, who believes referees who make mistakes should be dropped and others given a chance. Of course, referees should be dropped if they make mistakes. So for holders to take their time in officiating a match. But on the other hand, Gemor, a Cameroonian living in the USA, takes a different view. I don't think referees should be dropped for making mistakes, says Gemor. Mistakes are part of the game, and everyone makes mistakes. However, if the mistakes are happening often and impacting games, then yes, they should be dropped to a lesser role. However, I would also like to see referees being interviewed after games. This might give fans a better understanding of why certain decisions were made, and this would help improve the game. And we'll hear now from Bas Kholi in the Gambia, who agrees that referees should not be dropped when they make mistakes. I don't buy that idea because I also think that referees also make this game of football so exciting. Sometimes we fans, this is what we always want to see, so that whenever we sit and then we are chatting, discussing, we say they are our team won or this team draw, we say because of the referee. This is what makes our chatting more exciting when it comes to football. Well, yes, I suppose that's true, that referees' mistakes do make a good discussion point amongst us fans. Malang Sambo is in Italy, 
To be frank, says Malang, since VAR came into the game, we've seen many mistakes made by referees. But I think referees should not be banned. Instead, they should be suspended so that when they come back into the game, they'll be very careful and also other referees will see it as an example and take their own jobs seriously. Bad refereeing sometimes cost teams vital points and it has also been a reason for some players to be shown yellow or red cards due to losing their temper. And finally today, here's Obina in Nigeria. No one is above mistake and referees should be relegated to the lower leagues if they continually make silly mistakes that change the course of a match. This will help to reduce mistakes in football. Also, referees should be mic'd up so we can hear, know and understand what they are saying when they communicate with their assistant and VAR officials. So there you are, Steve. Some of our correspondents this week say that referees should not be dropped for making mistakes, but the overwhelming majority believe that mistakes should be rewarded with a short ban or suspension, and in some cases, a fine too, to acknowledge the huge impact that their mistakes can have on a club's hopes and aspirations. Well, thanks, Ash. That's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ash Tikiwa. Must say, I love that idea of referees being interviewed after games. Thanks to everyone who got in touch and for all of those different views. And apologies if we didn't have time to read out your comment. Well, now, to be honest, it's not only referees who make mistakes, is it? And there's something we can learn about life here. Here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Russ Bravo. Everyone who plays sport makes mistakes. It's a given. And in the goldfish bowl of media coverage where every missed chance or misplaced past is scrutinised and analysed to the nth degree, criticism can be brutal. It's something every professional has to live with and recognise as part of the price that has to be paid to compete in elite sport. The rewards are astronomical, but the pressure can be extreme and the lows can be very low. This season, with VAR now established, though still hotly debated, attention has turned increasingly to referees. An error from a player can be costly, leading to a defeat or dropped points and contribute to a club's relegation or missing out on a place in European competition. As we heard earlier, Planet Sport Football Africa listeners have been having their say, and plenty, including Lawrence Mendy in the Gambia, Bakari Niasi in the United Arab Emirates and Bismarck in Malawi, believe they should be dropped if they make too many mistakes. Desmond Tunde Koke in Sierra Leone believes they are bringing the game into disrepute. And others, including Santino Madut in South Sudan, feel they have no excuse given the expensive technology introduced to help them. But in today's deep Premier League squads, players can be dropped, benched or rested and others brought in. What happens when a referee is seen to make errors and have a couple of bad games. In recent times, it sometimes led to abuse on social media, even death threats, a slating from the pundits and caustic criticism from ex-referees. And for some, it might mean a drop down the football pyramid with close assessment to see if their standards improve. That's the suggestion from Obina in Nigeria, while Malang Sambu in Italy believes they should be suspended. The stakes in football are so high it can be a very unforgiving environment. The truth is, of course, we all make mistakes, pretty much every day. In our work, our family life, the things we say, the words we push out on social media, or maybe the things we don't do, which we should. 
we can be very quick to judge others and rather easier on our own failings. For followers of Jesus Christ, we're encouraged whenever we pray to confess the things we have done wrong. Not just because this helps us be honest about our shortcomings, but because God is a God of love and new beginnings. He is willing to forgive and give us a fresh start. In John's first letter in the Bible, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, he writes, If we claim that we're free from sin, we're only fooling ourselves, a claim that is arrant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, make a clean breast of them, he won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. None of us are perfect, but an honest relationship with God gives opportunity for him to work on us and change us more into the likeness of Jesus. So maybe a little more understanding when others slip up will be welcome, even if the ref denies our team a stonewall penalty. Indeed. Uh, thanks, Russ. That's Planet Sport Football Africa's Russ Bravo. You can read Russ's blog on this on our website, planetsport.tv. To get there, you click on the blog section on the right. Well, this week on social media, we're asking what's wrong with Liverpool in the English Premier League. The champions are on their worst home run ever with six consecutive home defeats and the Reds are struggling to score in the Premier League. It looked to be just a shadow of the team that were champions last season. So what do you think has gone wrong with Liverpool? You can post your comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. I'm joined now by Planet Sport Football Africa's Stuart Weir in the UK to talk about the English Premier League. And Liverpool did get that win over RB Leipzig midweek to go through to the Champions League quarterfinals. But uh, let's throw this one to you, Stuart. Uh, What do you think is the problem with Liverpool in the Premier League? Well, Liverpool's 1-0 defeat at home to Fulham last Sunday was incredibly their sixth home defeat in a row. The last one at home on the 16th of December. And even in the last seven home league games, they've only scored one goal. And you have to go back a hundred years to find a sequence like that. Things, Steve, have actually got so bad that Leipzig, their opponents this week in the Champions League, tried really hard to have the game played in Liverpool rather than in a neutral country because they thought they'd have more chance of winning in Liverpool. It's hard to come up with one reason for Liverpool's feelings. And... I'm not just saying this after the event, but last year I thought that Liverpool were actually overachieving for the players they had. And you may recall that I actually tipped Manchester City to win the league this season. Of course, Liverpool have been unlucky with injuries, losing Virgil van Dijk particularly, but that has really exposed the lack of quality in their squad outside the starting eleven. Look at Manchester City, and you've got star players like Riyad Mahrez, and Phil Foden struggling to get a starting place in the team. Manchester United have Mason Greenwood and Donny van der Beek not starting most of the weeks. Liverpool simply do not have a squad to match the two Manchester clubs or, for example, Chelsea. Sergio Mane has scored seven goals this season compared to 22 and 18 in the previous seasons. But I think, too, you have to give some of the blame to Jurgen Klopp, who just hasn't looked capable of making the necessary changes when his formation isn't working. I mean, it's ironic this week, when Klopp is in the middle of the worst period of his career, 
he's been talked about as a potential replacement for the German national manager, Joachim Löw, who's standing down in the summer. Funny old game. Yes, and Joachim Löw, an incredible 15 years in charge of the Germany national team. And as Stuart, since last June, we've been seeing players taking the knee before games to show their support for the movement for racial equality. Uh, but now we're seeing some players and some clubs questioning whether this is achieving anything. Well, yes. In fact, uh, Crystal Palace's Ivorian striker, uh, Wilfred Saha, is one of the ones who's come out and said he will no longer take a knee before Premier League games. He explained at a business of football conference, growing up, my parents told me I should be proud to be black, no matter what. I should just stand tall. He added that he thought that taking a knee is actually degrading, and in future he will stand tall instead of taking a knee. He also said that he felt that it was no longer achieving anything and it had lost its power. You'll remember that some time ago the Premier League replaced the Black Lives Matter slogan with no room for racism because of the way Black Lives Matter had been associated with some violent protests. But it's not that anyone doesn't think this is important, but rather a question of the effectiveness of the gesture. You could say it's become part of the ritual and something that happens without being noticed, whereas at first it seemed striking, unexpected and deeply meaningful. The challenge for the authorities is to find a better way of keeping racism on the agenda. Yes, and some clubs in the English Championship have stopped taking a knee. That's Derby, Brentford, Bournemouth and Queen's Park Rangers. The QPR director of football, Les Ferdinand, saying last September that its impact had been diluted. And as Stuart, you've talked lots on the show about the confusion over handball. There's going to be a new handball law, plus an experiment with the offside law. Well, Steve, our old friend Arsene Wenger, Arsenal manager for many years, is now FIFA's chief of global football. And he recently presented plans to FIFA and has had the support of the president, Giovanni Infantino. Under the current law, players are deemed to be offside if any part of their body with which they can play the ball is nearer an opponent's goal line than the last defender. Wenger wants it to change so that an attacker is onside if any part of his body is level with the last defender. And the new interpretation of the law will be trialled in the Chinese league in the next few months. I think this is a positive thing because traditionally we have given the benefit of the doubt to the attacking player. But I think the real frustration that fans have had with offside and its interpretation has been the so-called armpit or toenail offside, which is decided after 10 VAR reviews. And of course that will not change. We will still have goals disallowed because a player's armpit or toenail stops him being entirely <laughs> beyond the defender. We keep tinkering with the laws, but I think what most football fans want to see is VAR being used to correct the clear and obvious error, not to adjudicate on the most marginal of offside decisions. Now, on handball, about a year ago, FIFA introduced a law change that accidental handball by an attacking player in the build-up to a goal meant that the goal would not be allowed. The most famous example was for Tottenham in the Champions League, when Florentes went to head the ball, missed it, and it went into the net off his hand. 
the goal was correctly awarded according to the interpretation of the law at that point. Then FIFA changed it so that now such a goal would not be allowed. But we understand that FIFA want to bring the law back to the situation where accidental handball, even if the player gains an advantage, is still accidental with no free kick awarded. And I suspect that whatever FIFA does, the some fans will still be unhappy anyway. And to Stuart, Man City 14 points clear at the top after beating Southampton on Wednesday 5-2, but losing the Manchester derby last weekend. Well, the backdrop to last Saturday's Manchester derby was fascinating, with Manchester City having 21 straight wins behind them and United unbeaten away in the league all season. One of the records had to go. And it was Manchester United who preserved theirs with a 2-0 victory, starting with a goal in the first minute. Now, as a player, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was never on the winning team against Manchester City. But as a manager, he's won three in a row away to City. United went into the game following three 0 draws, in which, frankly, they never looked like scoring. Yet, as I say, it took one minute for them to take the lead against City. They played with so much more confidence and aggression, fully deserving the victory. One strange statistic to emerge is that Raheem Sterling has now played against Manchester United 23 times and has never scored. Oh, really? So Raheem Sterling just can't score against Manchester United. Thanks, Stuart. That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers and Ash Tikiwa in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.